Chapter One, Section Two of *The Promise of American Life* by Herbert Crawley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by the Progressing America Project. Chapter One, Section Two: How the Promise Has Been Realized. All the conditions of American life have tended to encourage an easy, generous, and irresponsible optimism. As compared to Europeans, Americans have been very much favored by circumstances. Had it not been for the Atlantic Ocean and the Virgin Wilderness, the United States would never have been the land of promise. The European powers have been obliged from the very conditions of their existence to be more circumspect and less confident of the future. They are always by way of fighting for their national security and integrity. With possible or actual enemies on their several frontiers, and with their land fully occupied by their own population, they need above all to be strong, to be cautious, to be united, and to be opportune in their policy and behavior. The case of France shows the danger of neglecting the sources of internal strength, while at the same time philandering with ideas and projects of human amelioration. Bismarck and Cavour seized the opportunity of making extremely useful for Germany and Italy the irrelevant and vacillating idealism and the timid absolutism of the Third Napoleon. Great Britain has occupied in this respect a better situation than has the continental powers. Her insular security made her more independent of the menaces and complications of foreign politics, and left her free to be measurably liberal at home, and immeasurably imperial abroad. Yet she has made only a circumspect use of her freedom. British liberalism was forged almost exclusively for the British people, and the British peace for colonial subjects. Great Britain could have afforded better than France to tie its national life to an over-national idea, but the only idea in which Britons have really believed was that of British security, prosperity, and power. In the case of our own country, the advantages possessed by England have been amplified and extended. The United States was divided from the mainland of Europe not by a channel, but by an ocean. Its dimensions were continental rather than insular. We were for the most part freed from alien interference, and could, so far as we dared, experiment with political and social ideals. The land was unoccupied, and its settlement offered unprecedented area and abundance of economic opportunity. After the revolution, the whole political and social organization was renewed, and made both more serviceable and more flexible. Under such happy circumstances, the new world was assuredly destined to become to its inhabitants a land of promise, a land in which men were offered a fairer chance and a better future than the best which the old world could afford. No more explicit expression has ever been given to the way in which the land of promise was first conceived by its children than in the letters of an American farmer. This book was written by a French immigrant Hector St. John de Crevecoeur, before the Revolution, and is informed by an intense consciousness of the difference between the conditions in the old and in the new world. What, then, is an American, this new man? asks the Pennsylvanian farmer. Quote, he is either a European or the descendant of a European, hence the strange mixture of blood, which you will find in no other country. He becomes an American by being received in the broad lap of our great alma mater, here individuals of all nations are melted into a new race of men, whose labors and prosperity will one day cause great changes in the world. Here the rewards of his industry follow with equal steps the progress of his labor. This labor is founded on the basis of self-interest. 
can it want a stronger allurement wives and children who before in vain demanded a morsel of bread now fat and frolicsome gladly help their father to clear those fields whence exuberant crops are to arise to feed them all without any part being claimed either by a despotic prince a rich abbot or a mighty lord the american is a new man who acts upon new principles he must therefore entertain new ideas and form new opinions from involuntary idleness servile dependence penury and useless labor he has passed to toils of a very different nature rewarded by ample subsistence this is an american End quote. although the foregoing is one of the first it is also one of the most explicit descriptions of the fundamental american and it deserves to be analyzed with some care according to this french convert the american is a man or a descendant of a man who has emigrated from europe chiefly because he expects to be better able in the new world to enjoy the fruits of his own labor this conception implies consequently an old world in which the ordinary man cannot become independent and prosperous and on the other hand a new world in which economic opportunities are much more abundant and accessible america has been peopled by europeans primarily because they expected in that country to make more money more easily to the european immigrant that is to the aliens who have been converted into americans by the advantages of american life the promise of america has consisted largely in the opportunity which it offered of economic independence and prosperity whatever else the better future of which europeans anticipate the enjoyment in america may contain these converts will consider themselves cheated unless they are in a measure relieved of the curse of poverty the conception of american life and its promise is as much alive today as it was in seventeen eighty its expression has no doubt been modified during four generations of democratic political independence but the modification has consisted of an expansion and a development rather than of a transposition the native american like the alien immigrant conceives the better future which awaits himself and other men in america as fundamentally a future in which economic prosperity will be still more abundant and still more accessible than it has yet been either here or abroad no alteration or attenuation of this demand has been permitted with all their professions of christianity their national idea remains thoroughly worldly they do not want either for themselves or for their descendants an infinite future of poverty and deprivation in this world redeemed by beatitude in the next the promise which bulks so large in their patriotic outlook is a promise of comfort and prosperity for an ever-increasing majority of good americans at a later stage of their social development they may come to believe that they have ordered a larger supply of prosperity than the economic factory is capable of producing those who are already rich and comfortable and who are keenly alive to the difficulty of distributing these benefits over a larger social area may come to tolerate the idea that poverty and want are an essential part of the social order but as yet this traditional european opinion has found few echoes in america even among the comfortable and the rich the general belief still is that americans are not destined to renounce but to enjoy let it be immediately added however that this economic independence and prosperity has always been absolutely associated in the american mind with free political institutions the american farmer traced the good fortune of the european immigrant in america not merely to the abundance of economic opportunity but to the fact that a ruling class of abbots and lords had no prior claim to a large share of the products of the soil
he did not attach the name of democracy to the improved political and social institutions of america and when the political differences between great britain and her american colonies culminated in the revolutionary war the converted american farmer was filled with anguish at this violent assertion of the new americanism nevertheless he was fully alive to the benefits which the immigrant enjoyed from a larger dose of political and social freedom and so of course have been all the more intelligent of the european converts to americanism a certain number of them particularly during the early years came over less for the purpose of making money than for that of escaping from european political and religious persecution america has always been conventionally conceived not merely as a land of abundant and accessible economic opportunities but also as a refuge for the oppressed and the immigrant ships are crowded both during times of european famine and during times of political revolution and persecution inevitably however this aspect of the american promise has undergone certain important changes since the establishment of our national independence when the colonists succeeded in emancipating themselves from political allegiance to great britain they were confronted by the task of organizing a stable and efficient government without encroaching on the freedom which was even at that time traditionally associated with american life the task was by no means an easy one and required for its performance the application of other political principles than that of freedom the men who were responsible for this great work were not perhaps entirely candid in recognizing the profound modifications in their traditional ideas which their constructive political work had implied but they were at all events fully aware of the great importance of their addition to the american idea that idea while not ceasing to be at bottom economic became more than ever political and social in its meaning and contents the land of freedom became in the course of time also the land of equality the special american political system the construction of which was predicted in the farmer's assertion of the necessary novelty of american modes of thought and action was made explicitly if not uncompromisingly democratic and the success of this democratic political system was indissolubly associated in the american mind with the persistent of abundant and widely distributed economic prosperity our democratic institutions became in a sense the guarantee that prosperity would continue to be abundant and accessible in case the majority of good americans were not prosperous there would be grave reasons for suspecting that our institutions were not doing their duty the more conspicuously democratic americans became however the less they were satisfied with the conception of the promised land which went no farther than a pervasive economic prosperity guaranteed by free institutions the amelioration promised to aliens and to future americans was to possess its moral and social aspects the implication was and still is that by virtue of the more comfortable and less trammelled lives which americans were enabled to lead they would constitute a better society and would become in general a worthier set of men the confidence which american institutions placed in the american citizen was considered equivalent to a greater faith in the excellence of human nature in our favored land political liberty and economic opportunity were by a process of natural education inevitably making for individual and social amelioration in europe the people did not have a fair chance population increased more quickly than economic opportunities and the opportunities which did exist were largely monopolized by privileged classes power was lodged in the hands of a few men 
whose interest depended upon keeping the people in a condition of economic and political servitude and in this way a divorce was created between individual interest and social stability and welfare the interests of the privileged rulers demanded the perpetuation of unjust institutions the interest of the people demanded a revolutionary upheaval in the absence of such a revolution they had no sufficient inducement to seek their own material and moral improvement the theory was proclaimed and accepted as a justification for this system of popular oppression that men were not to be trusted to take care of themselves that they could be kept socially useful only by the severest measures of moral religious and political discipline the theory of the american democracy and its practice was proclaimed to be the antithesis of this european theory and practice the people were to be trusted rather than suspected and disciplined they must be tied to their country by the strong bond of self-interest give them a fair chance and the natural goodness of human nature would do the rest individual and public interest will on the whole coincide provided no individuals are allowed to have special privileges thus the american system will be predestined to success by its own adequacy and its success will constitute an enormous stride towards human amelioration just because our system is at bottom a thorough test of the ability of human nature to respond admirably to a fair chance the issue of the experiment is bound to be of more than national importance the american system stands for the highest hope of an excellent worldly life that mankind has yet ventured the hope that men can be improved without being fettered that they can be saved without even vicariously being nailed to the cross such are the claims advanced on behalf of the american system and within certain limits this system has made good americans have been more than usually prosperous they have been more than usually free they have on the whole made their freedom and prosperity contribute to a higher level of individual and social excellence most assuredly the average americanized american is neither a more intelligent a wiser nor a better man than the average european but he is likely to be a more energetic and hopeful one out of a million well-established americans taken indiscriminately from all occupations and conditions compared to a corresponding assortment of europeans a larger proportion of the former will be leading alert active and useful lives within a given social area there will be a smaller amount of social wreckage and a larger amount of wholesome and profitable achievement the mass of the american people is on the whole more deeply stirred more thoroughly awake more assertive in their personal demands and more confident of satisfying them in a word they are more alive and they must be credited with the moral and social benefit attaching to a larger amount of vitality furthermore this greater individual vitality although intimately connected with the superior agricultural and industrial opportunities of a new country has not been due exclusively to such advantages undoubtedly the vast areas of cheap and fertile land which have been continuously available for settlement have contributed not only to the abundance of american prosperity but also to the formation of american character and institutions and undoubtedly many of the economic and political evils which are now becoming offensively obtrusive are directly or indirectly derived from the gradual monopolization of certain important economic opportunities nevertheless these opportunities could never have been converted so quickly into substantial benefits had it not been for our more democratic political and social forms a privileged class does not secure itself in the enjoyment of its advantages merely by legal entrenchments 
it depends quite as much upon disqualifying the lower classes from utilizing their opportunities by a species of social inhibition the rail splitter can be so easily encouraged to believe that rail splitting is his vocation the tragedy in the life of mr james matthew barry's admirable crichton was not due to any legal prohibition of his conversion in england as on the tropic island into a veritable chief but that on english soil he did not in his own soul want any such elevation and distinction his very loyalty to the forms and fabric of english life kept him fatuously content with the mean truckling and meaner domineering of his position of butler on the other hand the loyalty of an american to the american ideal would tend to make him aggressive and self-confident our democratic prohibition of any but occasional social distinctions and our democratic dislike to any suggestion of authentic social inferiority have contributed as essentially to the fluid and elastic substance of american life as have its abundant and accessible economic opportunities the increased momentum of american life both in its particles and its mass unquestionably has a considerable moral and social value it is the beginning the only possible beginning of a better life for the people as individuals and for society so long as the great majority of the poor in any country are inert and are laboring without any hope of substantial rewards in this world the whole associated life of that community rests on equivocal foundation its moral and social order is tied to an economic system which starves and mutilates the great majority of the population and under such conditions its religion necessarily becomes a spiritual drug administered for the purpose of subduing the popular discontent and relieving the popular misery the only way the associated life of such a community can be radically improved is by the leavening of the inert popular mass their wants must be satisfied and must be sharpened and increased with the habit of satisfaction during the past hundred years every european state has made a great stride in the direction of arousing its poorer citizens to be more wholesomely active discontented and expectant but our own country has succeeded in traveling farther in this direction than has any other and it may well be proud of its achievement that the american political and economic system has accomplished so much on behalf of the ordinary man does constitute the fairest hope that men have been justified in entertaining of a better worldly order and any higher social achievement which america may hereafter reach must depend on an improved perpetuation of this process the mass of mankind must be aroused to still greater activity by a still more abundant satisfaction of their needs and by a consequent increase of their aggressive discontent the most discriminating appreciation which i have ever read of the social value of american national achievement has been written by mr john b crozier and the importance of the matter is such that it will be well to quote it at length says mr crozier in his chapter on reconstruction in america in the third volume of his history of intellectual development quote, there in america a natural equality of sentiment springing out of and resting on a broad equality of material and social conditions has been the heritage of the people from the earliest times this broad natural equality of sentiment rooted in equal material opportunities equal education equal laws equal opportunities and equal access to all positions of honor and trust has just sufficient inequality mixed with it in the shape of greater or less mental endowments higher or lower degrees of culture larger or smaller material possessions and so on to keep it sweet and human while at the same time it is so gently graded and marked by transitions so easy and natural that no gap has anywhere to be discovered 
on which to found an order of privilege or caste. Now in a quality like this, with the erectness, independence, energy, and initiative it brings with it, in men, sprung from the loins of an imperial race is a possession, not for a nation only, but for civilization itself and for humanity. It is the distinct raising of the entire body of a people to a higher level, and so brings civilization a stage nearer to its goal. It is the first successful attempt in recorded history to get a healthy, natural equality, which should reach down to the foundations of the state and to the great masses of men, and in its results corresponds to what in other lands, excepting perhaps in luxury alone, has been attained only by the few, the successful and the ruling spirits. To lose it, therefore, or barter it or give it away, would be in the language of Othello such deep damnation that nothing else could match, and would be an irreparable loss to the world and to civilization. End quote. Surely no nation can ask for a higher and more generous tribute than that which Mr. Crozier renders to America in the foregoing quotation, and its value is increased by the source from which it comes. It is written by a man who, as a Canadian, has had the opportunity of knowing American life well without being biased in its favor, and who, as the historian of the intellectual development of our race, has made an exhaustive study of the civilizations, both of the ancient and the modern worlds. Nothing can be soberly added to it on behalf of American national achievement, but neither should it be diminished by any important idea or phrase. The American economic, political, and social organization has given to its citizens the benefit of material prosperity, political liberty, and a wholesome natural equality, and this achievement is a gain, not only to Americans, but to the world and to civilization. End of chapter 1, section 2